The title I was given for today's talk was Changing Lives, One at a Time. And obviously we're going to relate that to the passage we've heard read from Mark about blind Bartimaeus. There's a lot we can learn from Bartimaeus and Jesus in their one-to-one encounter with each other. Strategies and ways that God can use us to reach out to other people and change them one by one. Putting, putting the story into context, Jesus and his disciples are on their way to the annual Passover in Jerusalem. They just got to Jericho and they're just about to leave Jericho. And Jericho is commonly known as the world's oldest city and the lowest lying city, some 846 feet below sea level. And we would probably know Jericho to do with the story of Joshua, where Joshua walked around the city seven times in a day and the the walls came tumbling down. So Jesus was leaving Jericho for Jerusalem, 15 miles away, and he just told his disciples for the third time that when they get to Jerusalem, he was going to be arrested and sentenced to die. I'm not sure they got really what was going to happen or didn't understand. But that's the scene. You would think that Jesus might be a bit preoccupied on the journey. You would not expect that Jesus would have any thoughts for a stranger, let alone a beggar. After all, he was coming to the end of the road in terms of his ministry and in terms of his earthly life. And so surely he had to have his mind fully focused on that. When he got to Jerusalem, it was not going to be a pleasant time. It was going to be the worst moments of his life, both physically, verbally, mentally, emotionally and spiritually. His heart surely had to be heavy laden. His shoulders surely had to be weighed down. The streets were lined with people waiting to see the people going off to the Passover and they were particularly looking out for this audacious Galilean who they had heard was supposedly going to challenge the authorities of Jerusalem. At the northern gate sat this beggar, blind Bartimaeus. Beggars were a common sight in towns those days. And in many of our cities and towns around the world, it's a common sight nowadays too. When Bartimaeus heard it was Jesus that was passing by, he wasn't going to miss his chance. So there and then, he set up an uproar to attract Jesus' attention. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. To those who were listening... They were offended by the uproar and they tried to silence Bartimaeus. But no one was going to stop Bartimaeus from his one chance to escape from his world of darkness. In one sense, we've all been going through a period of darkness as a result of this nasty COVID virus. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 25 and verse 4, which Andrew read, the prophet says about Jesus, 
You have been a refuge to the poor, a refuge for the needy in their distress, a shelter from the storm and a shade from the heat. In one sense, we have all been part of a storm and still are at the moment, the storm of a virus infection. And we've all been forced to shelter to different degrees. God always has a plan in such periods of time of sheltering. Even though we may not realise it, or even though we may not like being forced to shelter. I heard the following examples quoted from the Bible that were a great source of encouragement to me. Examples of both during and after times of sheltering in the past at how God's plans had great effect on the future. God sheltered Noah and his family for one year in the ark until Noah emerged to become the father of all nations of the world. God sheltered Jacob in the home of his uncle Laban when he needed to escape the wrath of his brother Esau. Twenty years later, Jacob emerged with a new family, new wealth, and a new identity. He became Israel, the new name for God's chosen people. God sheltered Joseph from his 17th year to his 30th year, but his slavery in prison became the school where God prepared him for greatness. God sheltered Moses in a remote desert for 40 years, but Moses came forth to liberate the Jewish people from Egypt. God sheltered Naomi in the barren land of Moab until she nearly became bitter, but she and her daughter Ruth, her daughter-in-law Ruth, travelled to Bethlehem to participate in one of the greatest love stories of history. God sheltered David for 15 years after he had been anointed king of Israel. And when David finally assumed the throne, he was a man of God's own heart and he gave us many of the Psalms. God sheltered Elijah by the brook Cherith and after the sheltering, he stood alone against the prophets of Baal. God sheltered Jonah which, which uh, uh, Sarah mentioned. For three days and three nights in the belly of a of whale. When the sheltering was over, Jonah went to Nineveh and preached one of history's greatest revivals. God sheltered Daniel for 70 years in Babylon, where he wrote his Old Testament book, bearing his name and outlining the future of God's dealing with his people. God sheltered Esther while in the palace of the Persian king and she saved her people from destruction. God sheltered the disciples in the upper room for 10 days until the Holy Spirit descended in dramatic fashion to form and fashion the church. God sheltered Paul in the Arabian desert for three years, and when he came back, he turned the world upside down. 
God later sheltered Paul in a Roman prison. And by the time the apostle was free, he had written the epistle, he had written four epistles, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians and Philemon. God sheltered the apostle John on the island of Patmos. And the book of Revelation was written, one of the greatest documents of all time. And lastly, and most incredibly, God sheltered Jesus in a tomb for three days. And on the third day, Jesus came forth in power to bring salvation to the whole world. We don't know all the details of what God is going to do in this time of sheltering. But one thing we do know is what he has done in the past. And that is what we can count on. The God who sheltered people in biblical days won't stop now. So come what may, we can put our trust in the sheltering God to be our refuge. This is what blind Bartimaeus did. He put his trust in the belief that Jesus could meet his need. When he addressed Jesus as the son of David, it was a sign that he recognised Jesus as the Messiah because the line of David was the known line for the Messiah. The story of Bartimaeus teaches us a lot about what we might call the conditions for a miracle and also a lot about how we might ourselves go about changing lives. Jesus is, of course, our ultimate example, but lessons can also be learnt from Bartimaeus. Firstly, there is the sheer persistence of Bartimaeus, a sign of desperate desire. A desperate desire that gets things done. How desperate is our desire to see a friend, to see a neighbour, to see a work colleague, to see a family member be reached for Jesus? The crowd tried to shut him up and put him off, but he became even more determined. Do Do we easily get put off trying to reach others? Bartimaeus was so determined to reach out to Jesus that he became even more determined when obstacles appeared in the way, like the crowd telling him to shut up. Lesson number one, don't get put off reaching out to others, trying to meet their need when we are faced with obstacles. Become even more determined like Bartimaeus. After all, we know who puts obstacles in the way of believers and he is a defeated enemy. So we need to rise above it and almost see it as an additional challenge. Secondly, when Jesus eventually hears Bartimaeus and tells him to come to him, Bartimaeus's response was immediate and eager. So eager, he threw off his hindering cloak to get to Jesus even more quickly. What hinders our response to Jesus? What hinders our response to reaching someone else in need? Cast it off. Lesson number two, we need to be ready when someone we've been trying to reach calls us 
or reaches out to us. Bartimaeus had no hesitation. He couldn't respond quick enough. Many a man hears the call of Jesus for their own life or hears the call to reach out to someone else, but says in effect, wait until I'm less busy. Wait till I've completed what I'm doing. Wait until tomorrow. Bartimaeus came like a shot when Jesus called. There are certain chances that only come once. Bartimaeus knew this was his big chance, probably his only chance, and he took it. If we don't act in the moment, the moment is gone, and it may never come back. I don't know about you, but I know there are many chances I've had to reach out to someone, a chance to say something to someone, a chance to do something for someone, and I've missed it. Because either I wasn't ready, or I wasn't in the mood for it, or I thought I could put it off for another time. Jesus asks us to be ready at all times. In 1 Peter 3 verse 15 it says, And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a respectful and gentle way. That's important too, to be gentle and respectful, because it's very easy to go with the wrong attitude and put someone's back up and irritate someone and not have the right attitude in our own heart of a love towards that person. Thirdly, Bartimaeus knew precisely what he wanted. It was sight he wanted. Too often, our admiration for Jesus is a vague and a sentimental attraction. When we go to a doctor, we go wanting him to cure some definite pain or some definite ache, asking him to deal with some definite situation. When we go to a dentist, we do not ask the dentist to extract any tooth. It's the one tooth that hurts. It's the one tooth that is diseased. And that is how it should be with us and Jesus. But it involves the one thing that perhaps we find difficult and don't wish to face. And that is a bit of self-examination. What really is it that needs putting right? Is it what shows on the surface? Or is it something that goes deeper and perhaps goes back years When we go to Jesus, if we are desperately definite as Bartimaeus, things will happen. Lesson number three, be definite about what need we're meeting when we're aiming to change lives. Is it a physical need? Is it a spiritual need? Is it an emotional need? Is it all three, but perhaps in three different stages? Very often, in order to reach someone's spiritual need, we need to meet their physical need first. So often a person is totally closed to being changed spiritually, but when their physical need is met, that spiritual door starts to open. 
Fourthly, Bartimaeus showed tremendous faith. He probably didn't know much about Jesus and probably didn't really understand why Jesus was here on earth. But in spite of that, he had faith, which made up a hundredfold for any inadequacy of his theology. The demand has never been that we should fully understand Jesus, because that's something we never will do. The demand is for faith. Christianity begins with a personal reaction to Jesus, a reaction of love, an instinctive feeling that here is the one person who can meet our need. That instinctive response and cry of the human heart, that is enough. And that is what Bartimaeus showed. Lesson number four, when God is using us to change lives, one at a time, the most important thing any individual needs to change is faith. Bartimaeus' faith changed him from physical blindness to both physical and spiritual sight. Fifthly, Bartimaeus may have been a beggar by the wayside, but he was a man of gratitude. Having received his sight, he didn't go on his way and go back to his old life. He followed Jesus. He began with need, he went on to gratitude, and he finished with loyalty. And that's the perfect summary of the stages of discipleship. Someone realising their need, someone being grateful for what Jesus has done for forgiving them, and then, fin- and then finally following him. Lesson number five, when we're discipling someone, getting alongside someone, the end goal should always be for that person to realise their need of Jesus, to be grateful for what he has already done for them, and to then loyally follow. But that, of course, can very often take a long time. But that should always be in our thinking as the ultimate goal to be aiming for. Much of our thinking up till now has been about learning from Bartimaeus and his reactions. But of course, in the end, it all comes back to Jesus. Jesus incredibly had time to respond to a need, despite what else he had going on in his own mind and heart. He considered an individual need as more pressing than concluding his own journey and completing his own mission. That is how much he valued another individual. And if there's one thing that we take away from today about changing lives one at a time, it's this. That our value of another individual who is in need surpasses whatever else we may have on our mind fixed at that time. Did Jesus ever ignore an individual who called out to him? Did Jesus ever not have time to respond? Of course, our world is very different, and it's more difficult to set aside time when we have so many different demands upon us. But if we're really serious about reaching out to individuals, we have to really value them 
and give them our time. To summarise, firstly, don't get put off by obstacles. Be even more determined. Secondly, be always ready to respond. Otherwise, we may miss our chance. But of course, with a gentleness and respect. Thirdly, be definite about what need we are meeting. Fourthly, in terms of receiving Jesus, all that is needed is faith, not theology. Fifthly, the ultimate goal is for every individual to loyally follow Jesus. But that is not necessarily the first goal. And sixthly, value an individual beyond our other interests and time. Shall we pray? Dear Father God, during this time of Advent, we remember how the shepherds and the wise men responded to your call to go and meet the baby Jesus. We pray that you will help each one of us by your Holy Spirit to respond to your prompting with the same, same haste and eagerness to meet the needs of others and in so doing, serve our risen Lord and Saviour. In Jesus' precious name, Amen.